welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friends. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I'm so glad to be with you today. Before we dig into our topic, I really want to share with you that as I'm recording this episode, we just finished up the Open Hearts in a Closed World conference, and it was on spiritual sisterhood. It was an excellent topic. The sessions were excellent. If you missed it or you weren't able to catch each of the sessions, I wanted you to know that they're all up on YouTube to watch. I'll link to them in the show notes. But I know you're going to be so encouraged by all the sessions and the speakers were Martha Peace and Susan Heck and Aaron Coates and Brooke Bartz, Michelle Leslie, Kimberly Cummings, Penny Amack, and, and me. And there was a Q&A time on the last day too. So we had just excellent, the, the team that put this together is Brooke Bart. She's the founder of it. Um, Jess was our graphic designer and my dear friend Arlene's from Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, which is an excellent podcast. Um, they share different believers' testimonies. It is just lovely to listen to. But my Arlene's was our technical director, and she did a most incredible job. So just a shout out to them. They It couldn't come together without them. So I'm grateful for each of them. So check it out when you get time. They're up there to watch. So you can go through them slowly, take them you know, just a, one a week or whatever that might be. But just some good, solid content there to take in, ladies. That's available for you for free online on YouTube. And again, I'll link to it in the show notes. So our topic today that we have is one that um, I believe that we all need to ponder and meditate on as believers, and it's on the riches we have in Christ. So we're on episode 125, and it's titled, I titled it, Five Benefits We Have in Christ. We obviously have many more than five, but the text that I'm going to walk through today with you is Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. And I know if you have spent any time camping in Colossians, you know there is so much to pull from this rich book. And in my personal study time, I was so blessed to be reminded of all the riches we have in Christ. And what a sweet reminder it is to, to, to give thanks to the Lord in and through all things. Because so many times, I, I know for me, I spend time in prayer asking God for, for things, and they can be good things, right? Meeting my spiritual needs in my life, meeting those needs in the lives of others. But as I search my heart and I ponder God's goodness and his provision, I need to ask myself, are my prayer requests out of balance with my need to offer and give God thanksgiving for what he's already done? Do I offer him thanksgiving for the benefits I have because I'm in Christ? Charles Spurgeon said, it ought to be as habitual to us to thank as to ask. So thanksgiving should be part of our lives as believers. But I know for me, I fail too many times at this one. I hope that after we walk through just a, it's just, this is a small piece of text, but after we walk through this together and we just see a few of these wonderful benefits that we have, if we are in Christ, right, that we're going to find ourselves giving thanksgiving to the Lord throughout our days. And again, this is not an exhaustive list. I want to put that blanket statement out there of all the benefits we have in Christ, but these are some great ones to acknowledge from this text. So let's look at this. So let me read to you Colossians chapter one, verses 12 through 14 giving thanks to the Father 
who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has transferred us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the, he has, I'm sorry, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So there's many ways to tear this verse apart, but I've broken them down to, to find five benefits I see for those of us who have been granted the gift of salvation. So the first one is we share in his inheritance. And so Colossians 1.12 reads, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So these verses are part of Paul's prayer for the Colossian church. And that starts there in Colossians 1.9, where he tells them, we have not ceased to pray for you. And the term used for giving thanks here in verse 12 is Eucharistio, and it means to be grateful, to give thanks. It's in the present tense here, so it implies that thanksgiving should be the continual lifestyle of the believer. Warren Wearsby, he said, when a Christian finds himself in a difficult situation, he should immediately give thanks to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit to keep his heart from complaining and fretting. The devil moves in when a Christian starts to complain, but thanksgiving in the spirit defeats the devil and glorifies the Lord, end quote there. I don't know about you, but I don't know how often that that's the first thing that comes to my mind in a difficult situation is to give thanks. But I do want to be mindful of that and remember that. That is an excellent quote and reminder from Warren Wearsby. So friends, we've experienced the grace of God, and we are now enabled by grace to give thanks for all that the Lord allows in our lives. If we truly ponder all we have to be thankful for from the Lord, we probably would be much more grateful people. Verse 12 continues to let us know that we are, quote, qualified to enter into God's eternal presence. And this truth alone, it should give our hearts a continued attitude of gratitude. William McDonald sums up what it means to be qualified. He says, when God saves someone, he instantly bestows on that person fitness for heaven. That fitness is Christ. Nothing can improve on that. Not even a long life of obedience and service here on earth makes a person more fit for heaven than he was the day he was saved. Our title to glory is found in his blood. I love, I think of 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So at salvation, Christ takes our sin and he makes us right with God. At the moment of our conversion, my friend, we are given his righteousness, his righteousness for our sin. This is a benefit of God's great undeserved kindness to us, and it's one that we're to be eternally grateful. The second one is we were delivered from the domain of darkness and adopted as his children. Colossians 1.13 reads, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And the term for delivered here, it means literally to snatch from an enemy. I really like that. One translation, one little tongue twister there. One translation states it as the father has delivered and drawn us to himself. So friend, God delivered us from sin and death when Jesus died in our place and took the punishment for our sin. We couldn't save ourselves. Only God could. This should cause us to give thanks. Jesus has authority in us over the darkness. I, I don't have authority over the darkness apart from Jesus working and living in me. 
Jesus has the authority over it. And as we walk in the light, we're going to see power over the darkness as he works in and through us. So what is our new position? Peter states it so perfectly here in 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So friend, we are delivered from freedom from our enemies, as verse 13 states. But the freedom that we have been delivered from is now freedom. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Basically, the freedom that we have now, that we've been delivered from our enemies, is now to live a holy life lifestyle. So the word for holy, when we read there in 1 Peter 2, 9, it's the Greek word hagios, which means set apart or sanctified. So a holy one here is referring to someone who is set apart for a special purpose. I have a whole podcast on sanctification that I will link in the show notes too, if I remember that. But if you just go to my search bar at thankfulhomemaker.com and put the word sanctification in it, it'll come up and you'll find it. But I will try to link that So friend, we are saints and we're always going to be in the world, but we must find ourselves to be different from the world. The world's standards are no longer our standards. We have a new home and we are part of a new family. We are quote in the world, but not quote of the world. That's Romans 12 2 there. I love this boat analogy from Steve Lawson. He says, we are in the world, but not of the world. We are to have our boat in the water but no water in the boat. So as saints, we've been transferred from darkness to light, from slavery to freedom, from guilt to forgiveness. We were rebels. We were part of a rebellious kingdom. And now we've been chosen and adopted by the King of Kings. We serve a perfect King who loves and cares for us as God's chosen children. We should bear a family likeness. The third one, our third benefit, we are part of his eternal kingdom. Colossians 1.13 reads the second half of it, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. When I think of being part of his eternal kingdom, the term location, location, location comes to my mind. Jesus didn't just save us, didn't just save us and leave us to wander aimlessly on the earth. He transported us into his heavenly kingdom. There is no better location to be. So this excerpt below that I want to read, it's from Warren Wearsby's commentary, and I highly recommend it. It's his book on Colossians. It's called Be Complete, Become the Whole Person God Intends You to Be. It'll be linked in the show notes too, but he states on this, he says, the phrase, his beloved son, can be translated the son of his love. I love that. At the baptism and transfiguration of Jesus, he's continuing here, the Father declared that Jesus was his beloved Son, and that's from Matthew 3.17 and Matthew 17.5. He says this fact remains reminds us of the price the Father paid when he gave his Son for us. It also reminds us that his kingdom is a kingdom of love as well as a kingdom of light. The experience of Israel, he says in the Old Testament, is an illustration of this spiritual experience. He says, For God delivered them from the bondage of Egypt, and he took them into the promised land of their inheritance. And then hear this, friend, from him. He says, God brings us out that he might bring us in. So there is the future kingdom of God, right, that we have to look forward to when we're we're all going to be restored and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. 
but the kingdom of God is more than the future. We entered this kingdom by the new birth. That was, I'm thinking there, John 3, 5. But Romans 14, 7 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we became believers, Jesus became our king here and now. He rules our hearts and our lives, and he's going to come one day again to rule this earth. We are his subjects. He is our king. We've been placed out of the darkness of Satan's kingdom to the light of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I pray, my friend, that we rightly represent his kingdom to those who are still in darkness because we forget sometimes we were once in darkness. So we need to be mindful of that reminder as we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ to a lost world. And I think you're even to your children, to lost family and friends, but also we want to be rightly representing the kingdom to those who are in Christ too. So our fourth benefit is we have been redeemed. Colossians 1.14, the first part of that verse, 14a says, in whom we have redemption. We have been redeemed. And that means to let one go free upon payment of a ransom price. So Jesus's death met the demands of God's holy law. The Greeks used the term redemption when money was paid to buy back and set prisoners of war free or to free slaves from their masters. But as believers, we've been bought back. We were held captive by Satan. We were enslaved to our sin nature. Earthly slaves can have their freedom bought, but no money, no money can buy us freedom from our sin. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only payment that can redeem us. By his death, Jesus paid the price to ransom or redeem us. Hebrews 9, 12 reads, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Hebrews 9:22 reminds us, it says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sins. So the reminder that we have been bought with a price, that alone should be a motivator for personal holiness. I'm thinking there, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. The price to redeem us came at a high cost. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we have now been set free from sin. Our ransom has been paid on Calvary, and we are no longer slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to righteousness. There's a hymn by um, James Gray. It's called Nor Silver Nor Gold, and... Um, part of it reads, it says, I am redeemed, but not with silver. I am bought, but not with gold. Bought with a price, the blood of Jesus, precious price of love untold. So Jesus shed his most precious blood for us that we might live through him and for him and with him. It's an eternal inheritance with an eternal redemption. And our, our fifth benefit here is he has forgiven all our sin. And the second part of Colossians 1.14 reads, the forgiveness of sins. And the Greek word here for forgiveness is aphesis. Totally botched that, but you don't really need to know that. But the, the Greek word, the, the definition of it, it means to forgive or pardon of sins as if they have never, listen to that, as if they have never been committed. One commentary stated on this verse, it said, forgiveness, particularly when coupled with redemption as it is here, it includes more than the canceling the guilt of sins. 
thinking of forgiveness only in a narrow judicial sense of removing the penalty, that blocks an appreciation for its more comprehensive meaning. So forgiveness includes breaking the hold and power of sin. And in John 8, 11, Jesus's words to the woman where he said, go your way and from now on do not sin again. That implies that she could do just that because she was forgiven. And the commentary continues. It says, a line in a Charles Wesley hymn captures this fuller meaning of forgiveness. It says, he breaks the power of canceled sin. So Oswald Chambers said, he said, never build your preaching of forgiveness on the fact that God is our father and he will forgive because he loves us. He says, it is shallow nonsense to say that God forgives us because he is love. The only ground on which God can forgive me is through the cross of my Lord. So we didn't earn forgiveness. It's a total act of God's grace. And such a reminder that we have been forgiven much and we can now forgive much. Oh, remember that, my friends. I need to remember that. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. So think about this. When are we going to become people with thankful hearts? I know we all want to, right? When are we going to become those people with hearts that praise God? And in through all circumstances, and I know some of you, there's some really hard circumstances out there, whether it's marriage or prodigal children or finances or health issues, whatever that may be, right? But when we become those people who understand what we have been forgiven of and the cost of that forgiveness, it's then that we're going to become thankful people to the Lord for all he has done for us in and through Jesus. So closing here, our results of understanding these benefits are thankful hearts, right? Our text in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14, it's a praise to the Lord from Paul for all God has done. What a beautiful text to even just pray through. What am I most to be thankful for? Jesus Christ. I'm thinking here, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. We are made free. We are new creations in Christ. We are adopted as his children. We share in his inheritance. We have a heavenly king and now are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. We have been bought and freed from the bondage of sin. You are not in bondage to sin, friend. John MacArthur stated on this text that it could be outlined in three words. He said, inheritance, deliverance, and transference. He said, inheritance, who has made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Deliverance, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and transference and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. I love tearing through a text this way because it really helps me to grow in the knowledge of Christ and of his will. And the hope is that I would walk worthy of him. As we grasp these truths and we remind ourselves by, what do I always say? And I've got a podcast episode on this by preaching the gospel to ourselves of what Christ has done for us. We're going to be those who constantly give thanks to God for our salvation. We are in his kingdom because we are in him. So may we bow our hearts in thanksgiving to the only one who is worthy. And thanks be to God, because why for Jesus is enough always, my friends. I am so grateful for you. Thank you for being here with me, with me today and listening in. You can read this pretty much this whole post at the blog at thankfulhomemaker.com, and there you'll find the scripture references, any links I mentioned, and the quotes. 
And also, if you're not a blog subscriber, I'd so love you to be. You get access to the library of free printables where you're going to find a cleaning schedule. And even how I walk through this, you're going to find a guide for your daily time with the Lord that'll help you work through a text. There's a menu planning PDF. There's just so much more there. You can get all the details at thankfulhomemaker.com backslash free dash library, or I'll link to it in the, um, in the show notes too. So you could just click to it there. But again, I'm so grateful for you, my friend, and thank you for your time today. And I do pray that you have a very blessed week.